Hello and welcome. You've tuned to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Thank you for joining us. And through these very difficult times, we can see that we can, as Job did, come to actually know, love and trust God more. If someone tells you that they are an expert, it implies that they know a lot about a particular subject or are highly skilled in a particular area. When it comes to religion, we might assume that a religious expert is one who has studied it, worked in it and generally been a religious person person for a long time. But the truth is that when it comes to religion, being an expert is not the goal. Tonight, Dr. Corbett begins a new series on knowing Jesus. As we'll discover, when it comes to religion, it's not what you know, but who. To challenge your thinking, let's join Dr. Corbett now for the first in the series on knowing Jesus. There's a lot of things in life that you can't actually become either acquainted with or even an expert. And this is despite Sometimes people telling you, trying to convey to you that they are an expert, they know more about this particular topic than you, because for whatever reason, their opinion counts more than anyone else's. I don't think this is a good way to judge someone's supposed expert opinion on anything and particularly when it comes to religion. In fact, what I'm going to say is when it comes to religion, it's not what you know that counts. It's something else. And this leads me into saying that Christianity is not a religion that is grounded in how much you know. It's in something else. And I think this is really important because I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want people to think that Christianity is not about knowing anything. And if you know me at all, you know that I take a lot of time to explain why I think the uh, God of the Bible is true. The claims about the God of the Bible are true, and we have good reasons for doing both. But Christianity is not grounded in the opinions of people. It's grounded in what we might call revealed truth. This is truth that has come from God. So this is about knowing God. And this is a, a series that we're going to be doing, running through, looking at what makes Christianity different and why should you even consider it. And I think there's some good reasons why you should consider it. And I also think that if you have, if you have said, yes, I've examined the evidence, I see that Christianity is true, I then want to encourage you that that's not where it ends. In fact, that's where it begins. Now, no matter where you are on this journey of discovering what is true and what is not true, I want to, I want to encourage you to consider what we're looking at now because it's my hope that for those people who are open to having what I'm going to call a relationship with God, you will be able to finish that sentence that I gave, which was when it comes to religion, it's not what you know that counts, it's who you know. And that is going to lead us into, I think, a really interesting journey as we look at what the Bible has to say about how we can come to know God, why we should strive to know God better, and treat our relationship with God like any other relationship, but perhaps with a far greater priority. So let's pray. Father, now, 
As we open your word, as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to see what you have put there for us to know. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to preach your word in a way that will resonate not just with minds, but with hearts and with souls. So, Lord, now I pray, open the hearts, minds and souls of all those who are listening to me now. And I pray for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to consider that knowing God for many people can be confusing. But I'm also going to point out that so can knowing anyone. In fact, relationships can be really tricky. They can be difficult to manage. So here's a couple of questions I want to put out there and have you consider. If you met God for the first time, what do you think your impression of him would be? Hmm. If I was to do a survey of all those who are joining with me now, or perhaps those whom we you might meet this week, and you were to ask them, what are your what are your ideas about God? In other words, what what preconceived ideas do people have about God? All right, here's a related question. It might sound like it's a little a little bit off off topic, but you'll come with me, you'll see where we're going. Is there someone you know very well? Like very well. <laughs> you know their phone number, you know their birth date, you know their perhaps if they're married, their wedding anniversary, you know where they live, you've been to their home, you know them really well. Here's the question. How did you do that? How did you end up knowing that person well? What about we flip that question? We put it on on the other side. We go, is there someone who knows you very well? And again, how did they do that? How did they come to know you well? Is it true that you can only love someone deeply when you know them very well? Hmm. When God says that his greatest command is to love him with all your heart, mind, strength and soul, how does he expect us to do that? And by the way, we see this command in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 where God lists it as one of the greatest commands and when Jesus was asked what is the greatest command in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37, he actually said this was it to love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Does knowing someone, does knowing them well, cause you to trust them more? Well, can you know someone well and not trust them? And of course, the answer to that question might be, well, if you know they're a lying, dishonest cheat and you know that very well, you may not be inclined to trust them. But more more uh, commonly, if you know someone well and you come to know that they're a fair-minded person, they're a reliable, dependable person, and you know them well, and you know them well that this is indeed the case, you're probably more inclined to trust them. You're more inclined to believe them. You're more inclined to to do that. Okay. So with that in mind, I want to focus on the story of Job 
And the reason I want to look at Job is because it's fair to say that based on what the scriptures said and say about Job, he is someone who knew God well. In fact, what we, what we read in Scripture in the opening couple of verses, it says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And then we, we, we read on that there was a bit of a, a meeting going on in heaven. And we see that God makes the claim that, that Job is, is someone who is blameless He's righteous. He fully trusts the Lord. And there's someone in this heavenly meeting that says, mm, but maybe he only does that because of what you do for him. So we read this in, in Job. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, and have inc and uh, his possessions have increased in the land. But the Satan, by the way, Satan means adversary. So the adversary says, "But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face." And the Lord said to Satan, "Behold." All that he has is in your hand, only against him. Do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And we, we, if you know the story, you know that this is how it goes, that unbeknownst to Job, who has faithfully served God, a man who was blameless in all that he did, all his dealings with God were blameless and he was right and he did what he could. Yet something's going on outside of his knowledge. So we see that that initially Job's love and trust of God was well was at least famous enough to make it to the record of heaven and he didn't know that he was going to be tested for God's sake not for his not to find out his testing it was not to you know prove that he was anything but whether God was worthy of his of his trust so what we have is that this trial is then being watched by the observers in heaven, essentially. So this is the backdrop to the story of Job. We have the opening uh, two chapters of Job written in prose. That is, it's, it's told like a narrative. And then the closing story, the closing chapter of uh, Job is also written just to round it off with a story in between. It's all poetry about the trials that Job had to go through. And we know he lost family, he lost health, he lost a part of his wealth as well. So life was not going well. In fact, what we learn from the story of Job is that we may never know why we face adversity. But through 
adversity and through these very difficult times we can see and as job did come to actually know love and trust god more so this is quite a remarkable thing that's happening here we see job is at one point he's confused he he doesn't understand when god eventually appears on the scene uh, after Elihu, the what, what appears to be Elihu the prophet, uh, speaks, God doesn't actually answer Job's questions. And the, and the questions of Job could be summed up in one word. Why? We, we could put another word in there. Why me? What have, what have I done? Now, this would, I guess, test anyone's relationship with God. But for Job, what this did was it caused him to go, I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. I think we can see Job here is eventually coming to the, that place where, but I know God is good. I, I, I know he's good. In fact, I, I, I've just got to trust that there is a good reason for what is happening here. And in the midst of it, I'm not going to, as his wife had told him to, Curse God and die. That was her advice to her husband. Job doesn't do that. He doesn't get his questions answered. He doesn't know the why between about what's happening, but he continues to trust God. And this tells us something about his depth of relationship with God. He had come to know that God is a good God. You know, one of my opening questions was if if you get to know someone really well they have an established track record with you they have been consistently faithful with you and something that seems confusing um, comes from them or not from them uh, in one sense they haven't done something you thought they would do or they've done something you didn't think they would do do you destroy that relationship do you go that's it i'm done with this And I've actually heard, in fact, I heard it just last week. Some people have disappointment in their life. And the first thing they do is shake their fist at God and say, that's it. I'm through with you. (laughs) I'm done with you. (laughs) My, My aunt died. My brother died. My sister died. My child died. My wife or my husband died. How could you do this to me? That's it. I no longer trust you, love you, worship you, or serve you. And that makes no sense to me at all. I I recently heard of a a famous Christian pop star uh, who also had a similar experience where he just felt life's disappointments meant that God was either not powerful enough to do something about it or he actually wasn't good enough to want to do something about it And therefore, he abandoned his relationship with God. I find the story of Job to challenge that response. Not just the story of Job. We could even look at the life of Christ as well. Because Christ suffered more than Job. He also continued to trust his father because of all the people in the whole world. No one knew God the Father better than God the Son. 
Now, here's, I just think, a, a, a really big thing that we need to understand about relationships. How can we actually get to know God more intimately? I'm going to suggest to you that the, the principles for developing a relationship with God are exactly the same as the principles for developing a relationship with anyone. How do you develop that relationship with a person? You spend time with them. You listen to them. You begin to hear them. You hear what they're really saying. You, it's not just you listening, but there's also you sharing what's on your heart too. And we call this transparency. You're prepared to be open and honest and transparent with them. And this leads to your ability to trust that person through times where it's just downright confusing. And we said getting to know God can be confusing because God doesn't always do what we tell him to do. Have you noticed? <laughs> and yet we can look at the, the testimony of, of the Bible, the testimony of Scripture, and we can see he's very good. He is a good God. And as a result of that, we, as Job learned, as we come to the end of the book of Job, and I recommend that you have a look at it, and also if you have a look at my YouTube channel, Dr. Andrew C., you'll also see recently I've posted a digging deeper into the book of Job as well, where we talk about some of these issues. So when you begin to realize that Developing a relationship with anyone takes time. You have to spend time with them. And I suggest doing that with God means that you meet with God's people. The person who says, I haven't got time to come to church, be in church and worship God on Sunday is actually saying to God, I don't have time for you. And I know some people will object to that. Some people say, oh, no, you don't understand. I, I worship God on my own. I'm saying the God who wants you to worship him doesn't just want you to do it on your own. He wants you to join with the family of God, your brothers and sisters, and realize that this is a part of knowing God. It takes time set aside to know and love God. Now, when you think it through, time isn't... It isn't always the answer to anything. It's what you do with the time. And I'm saying take time to worship God. It takes humility. It takes sometimes inconvenience to say, that's it. I'm going to make coming to church, being a part of a church family, my priority to know God. It, we, we said it takes listening. And, and one of the best things you can do is to listen to the voice, the sound of God's voice as you read through scripture. If you are someone who has never read the Bible through, I strongly recommend start with the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Just start there and just take three chapters, maybe one, two, three chapters a day and just slowly make your way through there. And what you're learning to do is to hear the sound of God's voice. If you think about a newborn baby, and there's the mother and the father speaking to their newborn baby. That newborn baby hasn't got a clue. But they get 
to hear the sound of their father's voice, the sound of their mother's voice. And by reading God's word, you begin to hear the sound of his voice spiritually. So that's listening. And to be transparent, sometimes we we do get angry. We do get frustrated with, why hasn't God done this? I prayed this. I asked God to do this and it didn't happen. And now what I'm saying to you is that when you're transparent with God, you're able to say, I feel abandoned. I feel lost. I feel alone. I feel whatever it is. Or it could be it's not your feelings about or toward God, but it's actually your feelings about anything. I I feel like my boss doesn't understand me, God. I feel like I'm being overlooked, whatever it might be. And I think this is really important that we understand that we are called to be transparent. I actually think coming to know God, getting to know God, can be one of the most exciting times in your life when you come to know God loves you. God has unconditional love for you. This is this has got to be the highlight of someone's life. It's, it's tremendous as a pastor when I'm able to talk with someone who has gone through perhaps a rough patch in their life or perhaps just a time of emptiness. Life itself is doing okay, but in themselves, they feel empty. And then they discover this God. God is the God who loves them like a, like maybe the father they've never had. The, a father who just loves them unconditionally. <laughs> it's just an absolute delight. So here's, here's a point I, I want to point out too, that sometimes our relationships, our existing relationships, can either help or hinder how we relate to God himself. So when you consider 1 John chapter 3, 17, where we have the apostle talking about how we actually love God, and you would expect that he would sort of go straight to the point. This is, you know, you've got to love God, you've got to do this for God, you've got to serve God, all of that. But what he does is he actually says, our relationships with each other have a bearing on how we are seen as loving God. So we read in First uh, John chapter 3 and ver- starting at verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother, that would be brother or sister, in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, John says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So here we have this connection between how we get to relate to one another, how we connect with one another, whether we are someone who becomes a good friend to someone. And and in that passage, we see sometimes that means helping out I mean, financially, time-wise, expertise-wise, uh, perhaps with manual labor, doing something physical for someone like mowing their lawn when they're ill or helping someone who's recently, you know, maybe it's a, a widow whose husband has recently died and, and, 
and some of the men of the church come around and they take care of things, you know, whether it be a little bit of house maintenance, something like that. In other words, it's an expression of love, not because they're going to be publicly accoladed, but because they love that person and they want to help. They want to care. This is, I think, just a, a beautiful example of how when you begin to know God, you begin to learn more about others. You begin to know others. When you begin to trust God, you begin to trust others. When you begin to love God more, you have a capacity to love others more as well. So there's that that link. We see again in John uh, chapter 4 and verse 12, John continues on in the same vein. We're starting at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. So there's that connection again. How we have learned to do relationships with others often determines how we develop our relationship with God. Now, it, it's not just those who are closest to us. It's, it's, it's also how we treat strangers. Now, I want you to consider this because getting to know someone well will mean that when you start to get to know someone, you don't know them well. This has a, a bearing on those people who feel that they are shy. <laughs> they, can, they can never talk to a stranger. But if you learn how to start slow, how to start at the outer, the outer rim, I suppose, if it's in concentric circles, of dealing with someone or, or, or treating someone who you don't know, they're a complete stranger. Now, this complete stranger could be the checkout operator at the local supermarket. And they ask you, how is your day going? What are you going to say? None of your business? I hope not. You, I Hopefully you'll say something like, fine, thanks. How's yours? <laughs> I bet you there's not many checkout operators who get asked that. They're trained to ask it. In fact, I recently went through uh, the local Woolworths checkout in town and and the lady, and I actually deliberately chose, this is one of those stores where you can either have a human being serve you or you can go and serve yourself. And I, I chose to have a human being serve me. And she said, how are you? I, I said, oh, thank you so much for asking. You're the first person to ask me that today. And it was rather early in the morning, by the way. And she smiled. And I said, I'm fine, thank you. How are you going? <laughs> and she was caught off guard because that's not how the playbook works. But I just think, what a, what a nice thing. The other thing too is, just by the way, when you go into a restaurant or a cafe and someone serves you, if they've got a name tag, consider this. Consider referring to that previously unknown person to you by their name. <laughs> just ask their name. Kim and I go out for coffee every Friday morning and at Stillwater, it's Chloe who just makes the best best coffee in town i think she, she's brilliant and then the other day i was at uh, m&b and i asked uh, new owners there i'm getting getting to know the guy there and i and i i said thank you what's your name he, he said eric i said thank you eric now it's just little things just little things like that that show that i'm prepared to maybe just move 
move the envelope a little bit on how we're going to interact with each other. Consider doing that with people whom you don't know. It also, obviously, let's go the next layer up, the next level up of relationship, and that would be with family. Sometimes family members can be horrible <laughs> horrible to each other, and you wonder why that is. It's actually not because they hate each other. It's actually exactly the opposite. It's because your family are, the, are those that no matter what you do, they will love you. No, no matter, you know, despite all appearances of, of talk and so on, they will still care for you. So here we, we can learn to be patient with our family members. We can recognize that just as we hope that they will, you know, excuse us for our, you know, we've had a rough day moments, that we'll do the same for them. And then finally, if you're married, the, the principle in Ephesians chapter 5, reading from verse 20, is really, really important. Husbands and wives should be best friends. Husbands and wives should be the people who have also learned that it's time, listening, transparency, that develops trust, and trust develops intimacy. Now, let's run through that again, because I'm going to say, because our opening question was, how do we get to know God better? And I'm going to say to you, it's exactly the same. Time with him listening to him, especially to his word, preached or read, being transparent in your prayer, and that leading to trust in times of uncertainty. And this is where we're going to go over the next few weeks as we unpack this. It's about knowing God. We're going to see some of the implications here. And I hope that as a result of this sermon series, it will encourage you to actually develop a closer walk with God. Perhaps you're, you're listening to this now and, and you've never even started on that journey. And perhaps you're someone who has wanted to start that journey. Here's, some, here's the good news. You can right now. Right now you can start on this journey. You're not a million miles away from God. You don't need to do an extensive course to start this journey. What you need to do is just call out to him. And he promises, all those who seek me will find me. This came out of the mouth of Jesus. So let me lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to pray for you. The prayer that I would encourage you to pray is, God, I want to know you, and I want to know you better. Please help me to hear your voice. Help me to know your heart. Draw me closer to you. Help me, I pray, to do this. And now, Lord, I pray for all those who've joined with, the, with me now in giving heed to your word, that, Father, you would help them to know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select Knowing Jesus Part 1 from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, no matter where you are on this journey of exploring what is true and what's not true, you'll discover that the God of the Bible is worth getting to know, worth developing a relationship with. In the end, it's not what you know about religion, it's who. More of Finding Truth Matters next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.